Father God, we come to you on this special night, this Christmas Eve, remembering as this song proclaims to us, God, when love crossed over. God, when you sent your son Jesus to come from heaven to earth, to become flesh and blood, to move into this world, to move into our neighborhoods, God, to move into our lives. And God, I pray that tonight as we look at this story anew in a fresh way, and we, God, look at not just the picture of the manger and the baby that laid there, God, but the greater story of what you're doing and continuing to do. God, would you speak to our hearts? God, open our heart and our mind to what you have to say to us tonight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, Merry Christmas. Man, I'm so glad that you guys are here uh, to be a part of this time with us. Listen, we're very honored to to have you here tonight. And uh, and I'm just looking forward to what God's going to do. Man, we had an incredible first service and um, and, and just what, what God was up to. And so I believe this, that, you know, God has you here tonight for a purpose. And whether you recognize that, whether you are fully into that or not, I believe it to be true. And I, I pray that God will reveal to you what that purpose is throughout the time we have together. Hey, when I think of, when I ask you to think about Christmas, what do you picture? What, what comes to mind? You know, maybe for some it's candy canes, it's lights on the Christmas tree, opening presents, it's marathon, you know, competitive, overly competitive family game nights, you know, uh, maybe for some it's Clark Griswold. I don't know. You know, maybe for others, it's a pink bunny suit and a Red Rider BB gun. I don't know what, you know, Christmas means to you or what you think of when I say, what comes to mind when you think of and you picture Christmas? But, you know, for some, when we ask that question and we say, what comes to mind when you think about Christmas? What, what picture comes to your mind? For some, it's not, it's not as pleasing, Right? Maybe you're here tonight and you know, you're kind of wrestling through this time right now where, where Christmas is about a lot of uncertainty. It's about maybe a, a job loss that has come in your life or, or an uncertainty about whether or not that job's going to be here much longer after the first of the year. Maybe it's about a sickness or an illness that you've been diagnosed with or is there, there's potential for that in your life. You know, maybe it's, you know, the idea of family at Christmas and your family's not the family that you want to invite other people to come over to because you're not sure you really even want to be there. Or maybe you find yourself kind of in this place of saying, you know, I just, man, things just don't seem to be going well. And so when you think about Christmas, you think about all that uncertainty or that negativity. You know, for maybe for some though, it's even deeper than that. Maybe when you picture Christmas, this Christmas, what you're picturing is that person that's no longer with you. That person that's passed away, this loved one that's no longer here this year. And when you think about Christmas, you think about how this year's not going to be the same because that person's not here with you. See, we all have different pictures that come to mind when we picture Christmas. But let me ask you a second question. What comes to mind when you picture the Christmas story from the Bible? When you picture the story of Jesus' birth, what, what picture comes to mind? I, I think for me, for, for probably for a lot of us, we picture something like this. We picture a baby in, in a manger. Maybe you picture some shepherds who have come, like the passage we just uh, read together, you know, looks at it. You know, some shepherds have come to, to worship him. Maybe you picture three wise men, three magi who have come. You picture some different animals and just different things going on. But when you think about Christmas and the, the Christmas story of, of Jesus, you think about this picture. Well, we've been in a series as a church of messages over the past several weeks called Picture This. And the big idea has been this. 
that one picture doesn't always tell the whole story. The one picture doesn't always tell the whole story. We, we talked about how that applies to our lives, how it applies to, you know, pictures. And oftentimes when we take that one picture, we capture that one moment. It's what happened before or what happened after. That's really the, the real story of what that picture represents. Or maybe that one picture in your life that somebody has of you or who you are, you say, wait a minute, that's not the whole story. See, even in the Christmas story, one picture doesn't tell the whole story of God. And as we begin tonight, I want to just, let's come back to the picture of the manger. But then let's not stay here. Because the power of the Christmas story isn't just that Jesus came. It's that he grew. It's that he lived a perfect life. It's that he died a sacrificial death on a cross and that God raised him from the grave in a miraculous way so that you and me, so that we can find hope even in our lives today. But the true power of the Christmas story is more than just one picture. And so what I want to do just in the little bit of time that we have together tonight is I want to go to the next picture that we see in Scripture. You know, somebody mentioned at the first service, they said it's got to be hard coming up with something new every Christmas. And it is a little bit, but I don't mind going back to the story of Jesus because I think it's so central to our lives. But what I want to do is to go back to Luke's account of the birth of Jesus. And I want to take over where we, we stopped on the video And I want to go to what Luke shares next, the next picture of Jesus, the next picture of what happened in his story. And I want to look at this, how what happened in next in the Christmas story can mean significant things to you and me, that it can make this story become even more of a reality for us. And so let's look at Luke chapter two. We're going to start in verse 22. The verses are going to be on the screen. And we're going to talk tonight about a guy named Simeon. A guy named Simeon, somebody who we don't talk about a lot at Christmas, but I believe whose story speaks a lot to us tonight, no matter where you are or what you kind of experienced or expected in coming here today. Let's read this. Luke chapter two, verse 22 says, when the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary, his parents took him talking about Jesus to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it's written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or young pigeons. So Mary and Joseph are are, are two Jewish people. Jesus was born into a Jewish family, into the Jewish people. And so what happens in the Jewish faith at that time is, is that about a week after the birth, they would go and they would dedicate their son to the Lord. He would go and that's when he would get his official name. He would go and that's when he would be circumcised. He would go and, and there would be offerings of praise that would be given to God and, and kind of blessing him. So Mary and Joseph leave the stable. They, they leave where they were. They go to Jerusalem, to the temple, to dedicate Jesus to the Lord, as was their custom. And as they go there, they have this God-ordained, God-orchestrated encounter with this man named Simeon. Look at verse 25. It says, now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. So this guy Simeon is a faithful follower of God. 
And he's waiting for, it says, the consolation of Israel. He's waiting for God to send the, the Messiah, this long-awaited Savior, this Redeemer, this Rescuer that God promised to not just the Jewish people, but promised to the entire world. And so we see that, that Simeon is restless and waiting because he, he has this promise that he's not going to die. His life is not going to end until he sees this long-awaited Messiah. And so he is moved by the Spirit. So God puts kind of in his, in his heart, hey, go to the temple today. Look for this Messiah, this one who is to come. And here's what happened. Verse 27. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was custom of the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praising God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. So Mary and Joseph bring Jesus into the temple and Simeon runs up and grabs Jesus. Now, we, we oftentimes read the Bible and we don't put Realistic, realistic things in that. Let's imagine you're walking to church the first day with your newborn son and some guy you don't know runs up and grabs the baby from you. It's going to startle you, right? You know, it's going to kind of maybe freak you out a little bit. Like it's kind of okay, what's going on here? And it's one more thing in the line of things that Mary and Joseph had to go through that was just not the same, not normal in terms of this walk that they had been in of, uh, of Jesus and, and this baby. But Simeon grabs him up and he begins to praise the Lord saying, this is the one, this is the long awaited Messiah. This is the savior. This is the one that the world has been waiting for. He's going to come and bring light to the world. He's going to come and bring hope to the world. He's going to come and bring forgiveness to the world. He's going to come and he's going to restore all that's been broken because of the sin and, and the, the disobedience of, uh, of the world. And so Simeon takes him and he, he embraces him. And he says, now I can die in peace because I've seen God's promise. He says this in verse 33, the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child's destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against. So the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your soul too. So he says, listen, this baby is going to change the world. He's going to draw some people to God. Other people are going to reject him and they're going to reject God and his promise. And Mary, for you, this journey of being the mother of the son of God is not going to be an easy one. But let's go back to what Simeon did when he saw Jesus. Verse 28 and 29, it says he did two things. It says, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. Simeon embraced Jesus. He took him in his arms. He grabbed a hold of him. He embraced him. And it says that he then experienced peace. That through embracing Jesus, Simeon found peace. Here's what I believe tonight, that what Simeon experienced is not just something that only Simeon can experience, but that peace can be found when we embrace Jesus. That peace is a reality for us. It's possible when we embrace Jesus. You know, could you use a little bit of peace in your life today? Are your circumstances kind of out of control where you feel overwhelmed? 
You're not sure how it's all going to end. You're not sure how it's all going to come together. And that causes you to worry. It causes you to be anxious. It causes you to fret. Could you use some financial peace? You know, maybe you're in a place right now where you're, you're having a hard time making ends meet or there's some bills that have come up that you're not sure how they're going to get paid. There's that layoff or there's that, 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 that decrease in salary that's coming and you're looking at it saying, I'm not sure how I'm going to handle this. And you, you don't feel peace financially. You know, maybe you don't feel peace relationally. Maybe your marriage is not going the way that you want it to go and you're more at odds than you are together. Maybe you don't feel at peace with your kids. Maybe your kids are growing up and they're becoming teenagers and you're wondering what is happening to my kid. Your, their hormones are going crazy and you're, you're, you're trying to figure out what's happening. Some of you guys are maybe your students in the room, your teenagers in the room, you're going, what's happening to my parents, right? But you just thought like, I, I need some peace. Here's what I want to spend our time just with tonight. It's this idea that peace is possible. Wherever you're lacking peace, peace is possible. Wherever you're needing stillness and calmness and a sense that everything's going to be okay, that can be found. It's possible. But it's only possible when we do what Simeon did. It's only possible when we embrace the promise of God found in Jesus. That peace is possible when we embrace the promise found in Jesus. See, when Jesus was promised to come, the Messiah was promised to arrive. He was promised that he would bring peace with him. If you go back to Isaiah, this ancient scripture that was written many, many, many years before Jesus Christ actually came on the scene, here's what it was said about him, Isaiah 9, 6. It says, for a child born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he'll be called, listen to what Jesus is called. He'll be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. That Jesus is the Prince of Peace. That his kingdom is one that is marked by peace. His rule is one that is marked with peace. That he is the one who comes to grant and bestow and give to us peace. Look what the angels said when they came to the shepherds and they they proclaimed that, that Jesus was born, the Messiah is here. Look what they said about what he was going to bring with them. Luke 2, 13 and 14. It says, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. That Jesus has come to bring all the promises of God to us. And Jesus has come to bring the promise of peace. That peace is possible for you. Peace is possible for me if we choose to embrace Jesus. And here's what I want to do. I just want to share because I want to take, and I always want to do this, I want to take what God's word says and I want to bring it to our life. And I want to talk to you for the time that we have left tonight about how Jesus can bring peace to your life. I want to talk to you about four areas of life where Jesus can bring peace. Four areas of your life that you can begin to experience peace tonight if you'll embrace Jesus, if you'll trust him, if you'll give this area to him, if you'll rely on him, if you'll embrace him, you can experience peace in four different ways. The first one is this, is that because of Jesus, it's possible for us to have peace with God. 
that Jesus brings peace with God to all those who embrace him. Now you might be here tonight and you're saying, Zach, I don't, I, don't, I don't know that I need peace with God. Well, let me ask you this. Have you ever felt uncomfortable talking about God? Has somebody ever invited you into church and you had that thought in the back of your mind, like, I, I don't know that I'm welcome there. When somebody brings up spiritual things, you, you kind of feel guilty all of a sudden and you're not sure why. When somebody says, hey, God loves you, in the back of your mind, do you, do you question that reality and say, okay, I get that God can love me, but how can God love this? Or maybe you grew up in church and the, the church experience you had and the God that you hear about, they, they didn't make sense. And there's this tension about spiritual things in your life. See, the Bible tells us this, that, that every single one of us, we were created for a relationship with God. We were created to be at peace with God. We were created to... To, to be able to go to God in confidence, to believe and trust that he really does love us, to believe that, that even though we make mistakes, that we can be forgiven. And, and then and that forgiveness is, is total and it's full. We've been created for that, that God has, has called us to that. And Jesus has come to give us peace. Because while we were created for peace, the reality is this, is that every single one of us have done things in our life, me included, that have been against God, against his desire, against his best, against his command. And when we have done that, the Bible says we, we become at odds with God. We become enemies with God. There's a tension there. There's a brokenness there. But when Jesus came, Jesus has come to make right that what has been broken, to make peace between us and God. Look at what the Old Testament or the New Testament writer Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.18. It says, through Christ, God made peace between us and himself. That any opposition, any tension, any brokenness because of the things that we've done in our life, that can all be mended through Christ. That Jesus has come so that we can find peace with God. So that we can believe the promises of God. So that we can embrace the eternal truths of God in a way that leads our life in a, in a better direction. Jesus has come that we can have that peace. And here's the coolest thing about God's heart for you and me is that God didn't wait for us to, to come to him to say, God, I want to make peace. He said, I'm giving you away. I'm coming to you because I want to restore the relationship that's been broken between us. Most familiar verse in all of scripture, John three sixteen, said that for God so loved the world, for God so loved you, for God so loved me, that he sent, that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, that whoever would believe in him, whoever would embrace him, doesn't have to perish. And when the Bible talks about perishing, the Bible's talking about this living intention, this spiritual disconnection, this spiritual death, this lack of vibrancy spiritually, here, now, and forever, that we don't have to be separated from God, but that we can experience eternal life. That because of Jesus, it's possible for us to have peace with God. But the other type of peace that Jesus makes possible is not just peace with God, but Jesus brings the opportunity and the reality for us to find peace with 
other people. That we can have peace between us and, and other people in our lives. That he can give us this new perspective and this new power that we don't have to live in, in the tension and fighting and opposition with those people in our lives, those people that we're close to. That peace is possible. Look at Ephesians 2.16. Paul says, together is one body. Christ reconciled, which means he made right both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. And look at this, and our hostility toward each other was put to death. That when Jesus came, the tension that we feel with other people, that it no longer has the power to have to be there. That that hostility can be put to death. That hostility can become peace in our life. Well, how does that happen? How do we, how do we practically experience that and live that out? You know, why is tension, why is disagreement, why are broken relationships so uncomfortable? It's because we were never intended to be at odds with one another. When God created the first man and woman, Adam and Eve, he created the world. He created the world perfect. And in the perfection of God's creation, not only was there peace between man and God, but there was peace between man and each other. There was peace, this horizontal relational peace. That's why it's so hard to be at odds with somebody. That's why it stinks so bad to be fighting with your spouse. That's why when your kids aren't getting along with you, it's why it bothers you so much. When that coworker at work, you know, just, just is not, not treating you well or you're having fights and you're, you're not getting along. That's why it makes it so difficult because it was never intended to be that way. And Jesus can bring peace. And he does that by number one, allowing us to see that we have a lot more in common than we have different. Look at Galatians 3, 28 and 29. It says, in Christ's family, there can be no division into Jew or non-Jew, slave and free, male and female. Among us, you are all equal. That is, we are all in common. We, all, we are all in a common relationship, excuse me, with Jesus Christ. That peace can be found when we realize that we have more in common with each other than we have different. And when we begin to see people in different ways, we have the power and perspective to begin to treat people in different ways. That's why Jesus said in Matthew when he was asked, what's the most important thing? What's the most important commandment? He boiled it down to two things. He said to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And he said that's the first and greatest commandment. The second is to love your neighbor as yourself. That he gives us a new perspective and he gives us the power to love people. That he can bring to us peace with one another, that he can mend the brokenness of relationships. So when we embrace Jesus, peace is possible with God, peace is possible with others, but peace also becomes possible within ourselves. This inner peace that so many of us struggle to find. You know, are you anxious tonight? Are you depressed? Are you fearful? Are you worried? Are you overwhelmed? Do you just not feel at ease inside your spirit? The Bible talks about this word shalom. It's a Jewish greeting and it literally means peace, that, that, that peace would be with you, that peace would be in you, that you would feel this sense of wholeness, this sense that everything's going to be okay. It's all going to work out, that God's in control no matter what's going on around us. And Jesus has come so that we can experience that inner peace. Look what Paul says in Colossians 3.15. It says, let the peace of Christ 
rule in your hearts. That anxiety and worry, they don't have to rule in our hearts, but the peace of Christ can rule in our hearts. Depression and, and worry and, and fret and stress, listen, they don't have to rule in our lives. Peace is possible. That we can find peace when we embrace Jesus. That there's, there's peace for every problem that we come across. Rick Warren, pastor of Saddleback Church, he says it this way. He says, for those with a broken heart, God brings comforting peace. For those with a confused heart, God brings guiding peace. For those with a shamed heart, God can bring forgiving peace. And when we have a worried heart, God can give us confident peace. That if we'll embrace Jesus, if we'll seek to follow him and live in his ways, the Bible says that God will bring peace to our life. Look at Galatians 5.22. It says, but what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives, much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, and serenity, another word for peace. See, peace is possible within ourselves when we embrace the promise of God found in Jesus. And the last one is this, is that Jesus can bring peace and make peace possible between us and God, between us and others. Peace within ourselves is a reality but we can also find peace in our circumstances. I don't know about you, but the two things that tend to fight against peace in my life are broken relationships and difficult circumstances. It's hard to find peace when life seems to be falling apart. It's hard to feel at ease and to feel okay when it seems like everything's going the wrong direction in our life. Because it, Things, difficult things never happen alone. They always happen in pairs or triplets, right? It's like one thing happens, then something else happens, then something else happens. And I don't know, maybe you're here tonight and you're just feeling overwhelmed because the circumstances of your life, man, they're just, they're, they're causing you to feel stressed. They're causing you to feel anxious. They're causing you to be worried and, and you're longing for peace in those circumstances. And maybe you're praying that, and you feel like the only way that I can find peace is for the difficulty to go away. But Jesus says that I can bring you peace, not in place of difficult circumstances, but I can bring you peace in the midst of difficult circumstances. Listen, sometimes God will remove our difficulties and that's how we find peace. But more often than not, my experience is this, is that God brings us peace in the midst of our circumstances. That we can have peace in whatever we're going through. Look what Paul writes about this in, in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. It says, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of wholeness, of God's wholeness. Everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. He says, listen, another translation says, this, says it this way, that there's a peace that is greater than our understanding. See, for some of us, our, our inability to find peace goes directly to the fact that we're only gonna have peace if we can understand what's going on. But listen, there are gonna be things in your life. There are things in your life. There's gonna be things in my life. There are things in my life right now, listen, that I, I can't fully understand. I don't know how they're all gonna work out. I'm not sure exactly how this situation is gonna end up one day. 
But see, God doesn't give me peace in my understanding. He gives me peace greater than my understanding. So I can find peace even though I don't fully understand. See, Jesus has come. And part of the promise he brings to us, if we will embrace him, is he makes peace possible. And see, he was very open with his followers. He's very open with us. Here's what he says in John 16, He says, I've told you all this. What's all this? Everything that he teaches. He says, I've told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. He says, listen, the reality of this world is that we're gonna have trials. We're gonna have difficulty. But in Jesus, peace is possible. That peace is possible when we embrace the promise of God found in Jesus. When we, like Simeon, we embrace Jesus, we put our faith and our trust and and we see the reality that he is the one that we're looking for, whether we knew it was Jesus or not. He is the one that's come. When we choose to embrace Jesus, he brings us peace. Here's the question I want to leave you with tonight. Here's the thing I want you to think about on this Christmas Eve. Where do you need to experience peace this Christmas? Where do you need to experience peace? Tonight, do you need to experience peace with God? Tonight, do you need to embrace Jesus Christ for the very first time? To ask him to forgive the the mistakes of your your, your life, the things that you've done against God in your life, to to, to make right the, the things that are broken in your life. Do you need to find that peace with God? And tonight's your time to embrace Jesus for the very first time. Do you need Jesus to bring peace in in a relationship with with other people? Do you need him to bring peace to your marriage? Peace to your your, your, your kids? Peace to your family? Peace to your your, your workplace? Peace to your your neighborhood group? Peace to the the people you work with? Do you need Jesus to bring peace in that, that area of life, the relationship with other people? Would you be willing to... Give that to him tonight to say, Jesus, bring peace. Do you need peace within? Are you anxious? Are you worried? Are you depressed? Are you struggling? Are you uncertain? Are you overwhelmed? You need Jesus to bring that peace. Are you going through difficult circumstances? Things are happening and you can't understand them. You don't know why. But you need Jesus to bring peace in your life today. See, Simeon, when he met Jesus, he embraced Jesus. He found peace. Tonight, do you need to embrace Jesus? Where do you need to find peace? Tonight, we are going to have a time of response. And and here's what I want to do. First and foremost, we're going to pray, and I'm going to lead a prayer. The words aren't magical. The words aren't special. They're just... Words that express the desire of someone's heart when they want to embrace Jesus for the first time. And maybe tonight you need to become a follower of Jesus. And I want to give you the opportunity to do that. But maybe tonight you're a follower of Jesus. And you just need peace. 
we're going to, in this song, give you a chance to come before Jesus and say, Jesus, I need peace. I need peace in this relationship. I need peace in this circumstance. I need peace within this, this emotion I'm feeling. And you see there's some candles up here on the front. See, when Jesus came, the Bible said he was the light of the world. And sometimes it's not just enough to, to say a prayer, but to get our, our lives involved and get active in that. Sometimes it helps us. And so as we sing this song, I want to encourage you, if you're here tonight and you are looking for peace, you're praying that Jesus would bring peace to a circumstance or a situation, I want to encourage you during this song to do what the people did in the first service, to come and get a white candle. That white candle represents a prayer. It represents a need. It represents a place where you're asking Jesus to bring peace. Would you light that candle and in a symbolic way come and just leave that here at this, this place, this altar, this, this holy moment with God and say, Jesus, I just need to leave this here and proclaim that you're going to bring light to this dark situation. Or maybe you're here tonight and you're going to be one of those people who accept Jesus for the very first time. The red candle represents the person who says, I'm choosing Jesus for the first time tonight. And you can see we had somebody come up and say, this is what I want. This is what I need. This is what I need to embrace at Christmas. And we're going to sing a song together called Come to the Altar. It's an invitation to come before God and bring whatever needs, whatever troubles, whatever, whatever hardship you have, whatever, wherever you're lacking peace, and say to him, this is where I need you to find I need to find peace. Jesus, would you make peace in my life a reality? Would you bow your heads and pray with me? And before we pray, I want to lead this prayer I was telling you about. It's a prayer to accept Jesus Christ for the very first time, to become his follower, to be saved tonight. If that's you, with your head bowed and your eyes closed, just pray this prayer. Say, dear Jesus, I admit to you all the mistakes I've made. I know you know everything about me. And you love me anyway. So Jesus, forgive my sin. Jesus, heal my brokenness. Bring me peace with God. I commit to follow you all the days of my life. With your head bowed and eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer tonight for the very, very first time, I believe this, that you found peace with God, that Jesus Christ has come into your life. He's forgiven your sin. You're a new person, a new creation, you've experienced hope, new life. If you made that decision tonight, I want to encourage you to do something for us. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to call you up. We're not going to make you do anything other than this. I would love to be able to pray for you. And we have a team of people who would love to just bring you a gift tonight. So I'm going to count to three. And if you prayed that prayer to accept Christ for the first time, would you just raise your hand up? Nobody's looking around except for me. We just want to bring you that gift. We just want to give you that gift as a way for us to encourage you tonight. Listen, you don't have to raise your hand to become a Christian, but if that's something you want to identify with, I want to celebrate that with you. So I'm going to count to three. Just raise your hand where you are. One, two, three. Raise your hand and keep it up high if you accepted Christ for the very, very first time tonight. Just keep it up till you get that box. God, we come to you in this moment knowing, Jesus, that you are the one who brings peace. 
You're the one who makes peace possible in every area of our life. And so God, as we move into this time of response, I pray for those who prayed that prayer to accept you, God, that they would embrace you in a new way this Christmas. God, for those who are struggling to find peace, God, that you would lead them to come and to, to light a candle as a symbol of that prayer and to, to give to you that need, that area, that burden, and that you would give them peace today. Peace in a new way, peace in a way that would change their life. And God, that you would make peace possible. We give this time to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Will you stand and respond with us? Thank you.